Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2019. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And um, and just to let you guys know, I'm going to be spinning off on my own uh, separate podcast, mm. where I'm going to be an unlicensed uh, caterer in San Diego. What's the title? Uh, Dom. <laughs> of course. Dom, you can't just keep calling everything Dom, because it's confusing. <laughs> For multiple reasons. It's important for branding reasons. So I think it's going to be me, uh, a new character, and mm-hmm. someone else from this podcast that we will only see once in a while. Yeah, that, that seems fair. character, yeah. It's going to be you and CJ. That'd yeah. be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking me and Tarn, but I don't know if I feel comfortable comparing Tarn to Cordelia. I also don't feel comfortable comparing myself to Angel, so I think that it fits. <laughs> well, you can be Cordelia. Tarn can be Angel. I could do that. Yeah, yeah, that works better. That seems fair. I love that. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> um, I think we need to go another few years before we can do that. But just another, like, two? Is that about right? Yeah, uh, yeah. it was the fourth season of Buffy. There you go. Yeah. So fourth year, I give you permission to split off. All right. Get ready for the darker, edgier podcast. <laughs> Is, was Angel really darker and edgier? Uh, yeah, that was their branding. No, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I think it was more L.A. crime drama, but I don't know if I would say it was darker, They were more se. morally ambiguous. and um, Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, for example, in Buffy, when somebody says, like, I might go bad, and if that happens, you have to kill me, they'll say, we'll find a way. We don't have to do this. We'll also make this together. And Angel, they say, I might go bad. You have to kill me. They go, got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I always found that to be more corny than I did darker, but sure. The intent is darker. The uh, fact is corny. The, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. As you may have gathered, we are doing a Angel fan fiction today. It is by Rihanna, who is a well-known fan author who writes in multiple fandoms, according to the fan lore wiki. And apparently they started out with X-Files in like 98 and started SG-1. But by 2000, they entered the Angel fandom and became one of the best-known writers. So this is a fairly well-known story we're reading. It's called Blood and Water. Not to be confused with Water and Blood. Which is the one I accidentally read, I think. <laughs> <laughs> totally different. Completely different. Yeah, yeah, and I read Water and Water, so. <laughs> that sounds go. pretty boring. It was a wishy-washy fanfic. Yeah. It was. <laughs> this particular fanfic was a recommendation, because uh, for our starting out our new year of fanfiction, I'm trying to do some recommendations from people. This one from Callisto823 on the fanfiction Reddit. It also won a Winter 2001 Halo Award. Mm. Like Master Chief Halo? Uh, I know. It's, Halo, I can't like, hear Halo and not think like the FPS. Halo like Angel. Yeah. Oh. That's right. The Halo Awards were Angel Fan Fiction Awards. I really <laughs> like that, honestly. And then I really don't like it in other ways. For one, it's like, oh, the Halo on the Angel. But it's like the whole point of Angel as a character is that he's not an angel. So He's pretty upstanding <laughs> sure but he's dealing with his dark brooding vampire past when convenient <laughs> yeah, yeah right like what what terrible things has angel done while possessing a soul um well uh, i'm actually in the second season of angel i've been watching it okay actually before we started reading this fanfic i'd started watching angel because i was watching buffy and it became a whole thing mm-hmm. anyway point being in the second season he does some kind of off-the-wall stuff. That's interesting, because like, I've only seen the first season, too. 
Yeah, this is the first time I've seen the second season. I've seen the first and the fifth. And the curated fr- by Tarin. Right. And I mean, you know. uh, even in the first season, Angel doesn't mind committing like mild acts of torture to get information out of people. Yeah. yeah. I suppose that's true. Yeah, and he's... Uh, in the episode I'm on in season two, he just fired all of his employees, i.e. his friends, mm-hmm. to go, like... I don't know what he's doing at the moment, but he's obsessed with Darla, who's brought back as a human. Angel, spoiler alert. <laughs> Backtrack. Angel, spoiler alert. A yes, lot's on going this on. Angel fan fiction discussion podcast, there might yeah, be spoilers sure. for Angel. Anyway, his character seems <laughs> a little bit back and forth to me in the second season. We'll see how it goes. I maintain Angel's character, like, yo-yos consistently, even in Buffy throughout Angel. Mm-hmm. It changes drastically from writer to writer from moment to moment in an episode. It's hard, yeah. I think we were talking about this earlier, Dom, is it's just like, it's hard to pin down his character, I suppose. And I thought it was even harder because the character of Angel is them- themselves a decent actor. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what part of it is Angel acting, which part of it's writing, which part of it's Angel. <laughs> right. You yeah, know? he acts a lot in his role as Angel. Yeah. To get information from people, like infiltrate operations, because he's kind of a PI. That's the thing I love about Angel and Angelus is that they're both good enough at acting like each other to fool people. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and and the part I'm at in Angel right now is that Darla and um, Drusilla are on like a rampage, and as vampires, if you you know Darla was human for a bit, but she's a vampire again. Anyway, <laughs> there's this whole thing where um, Angel comes back in. And Drusilla actually acting even more off the wall than she does in Buffy is like, he's not Angel. He's not Angelus. I don't know who he is, kind of thing. David Boreanis. Yeah. So there's this whole ambiguity of like who he is, whether he's the torturing vampire without a soul or whether he's Angel, the good guy. And I feel like that's kind of the whole show is like, who is this man? This discussion of Angel's morality is reminding me of there's another Angel fanfic I want to do, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure we should. That is a <laughs> Screwtape Letters crossover I'm called interested. A Letter from Screwtape what? to Mr. Holland, which is just Screwtape sending the law firm advice about how to deal with Angel, but it's only like 1,600 words. It's pretty, it's really, really short. Very it's like a chapter of the Screwtape Letters. Well, I guess we could return to that. That'd be an excuse to CS reread the Screwtape Letters. Yeah. <laughs> the Screwtape Letters is really good. Quite. I like it. Actually, my favorite of his, even though it's kind of like less renowned, I suppose. I mean, it's pretty well regarded. It's, it's just well not regarded. Narnia. It's not, well, yeah, it's, that's the thing is like, yeah, it's not Narnia. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like J.K. Rowling can write other books. It doesn't matter what the critical reception is. Right. Right. Yeah. Never again. Well, but then again, I don't think they're that good. But. <laughs> Actually, there was that uh, like space drama that C.S. Lewis wrote. That was out of the silent planet. Yes, I did a project on that in like elementary school, and it, at the time it was one of my favorites. And I made this whole like porthole with the figure <laughs> looking out. Um. It's funny to think that C.S. Lewis was actually relatively prolific before Narnia became an all-consuming cultural concept. Mm. Yeah, the third book of that series, I got, I got lost, I think, when they went back to Earth. It's weird how that was the one that lost me. <laughs> yeah. That was a, like, a nutty series, but I was obsessed with it as a kid. So, 
I think we've drifted just a little bit. <laughs> Have we now? We're here to discuss a fanfic called Blood and Water. It's an angel fanfic, the year 2000, by Rihanna. And that was after the first season had... Yeah, aired. I think this is post-first season. Right, because first season um, was 99, mm-hmm. which corresponded directly with the fourth season of Buffy, which yeah. um, they would air on Tuesday nights. Like, Buffy would be 7 p.m. and Angel would be 8 p.m. And they'd go, they'd go one for one episode per episode. Sounds like a good evening. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds my, confusing. One of my favorite things about later Buffy is the one time where they go, well, Don's in trouble. Must be Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So the fanfic. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone want to start us off setting the scene for this fanfic? Sure. Um, this actually starts... It's... I suppose it's it's a little bit over the top, but it's, it's also very sentimental. A description of... From Angel's perspective mm-hmm. of being woken by his mother pleading to save his life when he's dying of an illness at a very young age. Well, yes. it was a um, sickbed care for a young angel from his mom. Yeah. And it, it, we don't really get any context for this cold open, but it's like delirious angel mm-hmm. imagining this. It is, it's not badly written. I was kind of expecting it to like specifically tie into the plot and it doesn't really specifically, I feel like. I just... It really doesn't. I, I've been watching as much of the first season of Angel as I can. Mm-hmm. And I just finished the one where it uh, talks about Angel's dad. And I feel like this had a similar flow. It started with like a cold open of, you know, Liam, mm-hmm. young Liam, as we know. Yes. And period clothing. <laughs> young what, Will I am. <laughs> no. <laughs> and this seems to <laughs> yeah, fit that sort of thing where you would just, a, a lot of this is like you would know it visually because like it'd be in olden times with the period clothing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that actually happens a lot in Angel. Yeah. Like <laughs> every other episode, there's an opening. <laughs> Revolving around his past, which is actually kind of cool. And I kind of like this opening because, you know, this isn't, as far as I know, a part of Angel, but he's about to die and his mother's praying for him. And it's kind of this idea of, you know, like he's living this cursed vampire life. And the opening ends with a prayer, you know, a, a very familiar prayer to me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I give my the Lord my soul to keep. But it says I give my soul to thee to keep, whatever. Right. And should I die before I wake, I give my soul to thee to take. And then it kind of repeats. And should I die before I wake, or should I die? And that's how the prologue kind of ends. So you get that kind of angel sense, and you get this kind of fading melancholy which is very on tone i suppose but it's different from the show with these sort of flashbacks because the flashbacks in the show was always david boyanis in a wig <laughs> <laughs> and this is it was getting progressively older playing their younger self and this is a child true. actor and this is child true. Yeah, right. this would be a child actor that you oh yeah know you don't, yeah you don't ever get him as a child really huh it's always david boyanis <laughs> and by the way i've been thinking a lot recently about the wig the long hair it's terrible on him <laughs> it's just awful hot takes here about angel season one well they do better with their um monster props yeah I, I'm not sure I like the show's fight choreography, but like their um, their makeup and their props are always on point. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Would you say you'd give them props for that? No, Amato, I would not. Oh, okay. I have a soul. <laughs> <laughs> Amato, speaking on the other hand, our fanfic overlord. Yeah, speaking of not having souls. No, I, I think you have a soul. I think I gave you mine in seventh grade to learn about anime. <laughs> 
I don't think I was aware enough to get a good bargain there. I could have extracted a lot more concessions I think, there. I think we both could have done better, yeah. <laughs> so the thematic connection here with, like, that, you know, angel flashback is that it's him. It's like a memory of being sick with, like, the weaknesses of the flesh. Right. And our actual chapter one is called Crossbearer. And it's a scene with Gunn and his folks patrolling L.A. In yeah, the first season of Angel, they had like one or two episodes with Gun and crew, right? Yeah, just a couple actually. He's he's very prominent in the second season. But yeah, not he's very prominent the from that point on. Yeah, which is why it's hard for me to kind of have him have Gun in the series and not be a major character. Right. So well, definitely a supporting character here. Yeah. When I started reading this fanfic, I was still in the first season of Angel, and I had only seen the first and the fifth, so I didn't actually remember this character until he appeared in Angel the first time I was watching it. But I kept, you know, I did watch it, and I, I was kind of like, but who's Cloud? Because he constantly talks about a character. There's another character named Cloud. Is that right. Gun's sister? No, she Cloud died. Alana was Gun's sister, and she mm. died. Well, I didn't remember Cloud either. I was just picturing Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> so, but like, with a huge part, sword. Not, yeah. not, not a white blonde person, no. <laughs> Here was the hard part for me, is that, you know, you've got Gun and you've got Cloud. And me not having remembered who Gun was, Charles Gun, you know, G U N N, that's his last name. There's <laughs> even a joke about it in Angel where they assume because he's a black character, like Cordelia assumes that his, that's a moniker for him, that he's a young, poor black man. Oh, you I know? think somebody and says, like, anyway. Gun talking to him at, like, Wesley Ducks or something. <laughs> Like well, no, there was also a joke where they're like, "Gun, that's a that's a cool name," like, like as if they assume it's some sort of moniker about him. Like, anyway, point being is that's his last name. His name is Charles Gun. Well, but I kept hearing the names Gun and Cloud, and I was like, "Are these <laughs> Final Fantasy characters? Did I walk into yeah, a Final go. Fantasy crossover?" But now I know that you know Charles Gun is a character in Angel, but Cloud is also this woman who's riding with the crew, and I. Don't remember her ever being a character. Well, about the gun name, like, I've been looking at the credits a bit more than I usually have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then later, there's also, like, a demon named Skip, which is, seems completely out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at the credits, there are people, like, higher up that are named, mm. that have the last name Gun, and, like, the editor's name is, like, Skip. Oh, so yeah. they're, like, recycling yeah. people's names. Yeah, that's chill. Yeah. And so... The plot going on here. <laughs> sorry, sorry to rush you. It's just uh, we're kind of mixing in our angel experience into the talk. That's about true. It. We forgot to talk about it separately. I was so excited to talk about this fanfic. But I, I think we can keep mixing it in. Yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but they're patrolling. It. I kind of get the impression from this fanfic that they're the ones who do the work in L.A. and like Angel only <laughs> does like the like the big Actually, ticket cases. Here's the thing about Gun's crew is that they're a bunch of poor kids from a poor neighborhood in LA. Because mm-hmm. what you assume is like Angel takes high profile clients. Yeah. You know? Like mostly people who can pay because he's trying to make his way. Actually, Angel takes on anybody who happens to wander into the episode. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, a lot of times Cordelia set up this whole situation where they got to pay or they can't pay. Or... Anyway, yeah. point being is that. Where his offices are located, and that changes, nonetheless, they're in more upscale parts of town. So when the reason he meets Gunn in the first place is he wanders into his part of town. In his part of town, they're like, a vampire is here, we're going to stake him. Mm-hmm. They've got a whole crew and a whole setup set yeah. up to stake vampires. And like in a Buffy world, that's absolutely you have to do. See a vampire, you got to stake it. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it totally makes sense. 
But that's because, yeah, they, they basically live on top of a nest, and they don't have a choice. Like, these are all homeless, young kids in L.A. Yeah, and so this very is, victimized population. Yeah, and this is the show's attempt to address that. I don't know if the show does it particularly well, <laughs> but I appreciate that they do bring in, like, you know, a young black person as the leader of this crew, and there are all these kids trying to survive. I, so that's Gunn's whole thing, is he has a crew of, like, young people trying to survive without homes, without parents who support them in low-income areas. It seems like, I, I'm glad they approached this theme, but I don't know how well they did it, is a good description of the Buffyverse, <laughs> like, yeah, in about, pretty yeah. much all topics. About anything. Yeah. yeah. Totally true. <laughs> the thing I liked about Angel, the series Angel, more than Buffy, is that, like, Buffy kind of seemed like it had some sort of uh, morals to li- live up to, mm-hmm. and Angel sort of, like you know, fuck it, we're just going to make a fun series. Mm. Ah, so, I mean, most of the time they talk about stuff that they chose to talk about, not, it w- wasn't built on that. Hmm. Well, speaking of fun, this chapter has the first occasion of kind of a scene where I could really picture the action happen on Angel. Yes. Which is, Gunn is pursuing a vampire into an alley. Um, you know, the alley was silent. I'm, I'm starting to read from it now. A faint rustling from behind the dumpster to his left made him look, but it was only a rat. Gunn walked on. He lifted his left arm, tilting up the heel of his hand and exposing the veins on his wrist to the night air. I know you want some of this. It's good stuff. The very best. Packed full of vitamins and... He heard the roar from behind a pile of discarded boxes and braced himself for the vampire's charge. Come and get it! The vampire ran, no wait, lurched towards him and gunned fainted to one side, avoiding its grasping arms with ease. He hopped backwards several paces and waited for the counterattack. And waited some more. The vampire stared at him, as if unable to decide whether pursuing its meal was worth the effort. Gunn looked about, suddenly wondering if Cloud had been right. Damn it, what if this was a trap? He'd walked right into it, and he only had himself to blame if the vampire fell over. <laughs> and I, I can really see the like cinematography and the like blocking for that kind of scene. Yeah. And it'll happen again in some other action scenes, where I'm like, this seems like a, an Angel or Buffy fight sequence. And like to jump the gun a little bit, a lot of this is very angel um on tone. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it's one of those ones where it it really feels original flavor most of the time. Well, Tori and I were talking about it, and you said you couldn't remember what part it was the fanfiction, what part some <laughs> stuff you watched. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was midway through the fanfic, and I was also watching episodes of Angel, and yeah, there was one night where I was like, what episode was I on? And then I remember that I was thinking of the fanfic. <laughs> so it's good that it's quite on tone. The only thing that took me out of it was this character named Cloud. Because I still don't know who this is. I and mean, that didn't bug me reading it, but now every time I hear it, I'm, I'm picturing blocky, you know, blocks all <laughs> I, just, I just don't get why they, they made the character appear as if I she think... was an important character to the angel. And I kept thinking that she was supposed to be a character in Angel, and she just wasn't. And her name is Cloud, and nobody's name is Cloud. I think they just wanted Gunn to have someone to talk to, and Gunn wouldn't be like, hey, you. But they like, could have just named them something other but than But they did Cloud. name them Cloud something. Cloud is not a name. <laughs> I'd have to rewatch that episode. Maybe it's one of the named uh, extra characters there. I was watching a lot of it that I didn't hear. Like, well, most people's names are... Yeah, and, and the first season was the only one where it would be those two or three episodes or so. Yeah. After season two, Gun's their own character, and the yeah, crew becomes exactly. like a, their vague backstory. That doesn't come well, up. They don't have any names for the members of the crew. There's Alana, his sister, who dies. And yeah. There may be someone else, but they have normal names, not Cloud. Cloud is not a normal person's <laughs> name. Would you feel better if it was Squall? 
No. No. Okay. <laughs> I feel worse. So how far have you watched an, an Angel in your rewatch? Um, I'm midway through the second season, probably approaching the end. Like, uh, as I was saying before, Darla and Drusilla are kind of on a spree. Darla just got turned into a vampire again. Okay. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure I can talk to you about one of my favorite characters. I think they showed up yeah, maybe once fine. or twice. Uh, Lauren? Yeah. Have you seen Lauren? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Lauren was in, like, the whole series. Oh, Lauren gets more and more featured as it goes on. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Well, I, mean I watched the it. fifth season, and Lauren was in the fifth season. Do, do you know Lauren Amato? I don't know any Laurens. <laughs> Lauren no, is Lauren... a demon in the angel world whose ability is to be empathic, mm-hmm. but only when the person is singing. Yeah, Lauren's Ooh. in the whole second season <laughs> because they keep going back to the karaoke bar. Yeah. And Lauren is also a major character in the fifth season, which is why I recognized him when I went into the second season. Yeah, Lauren is an important character from when you start, more important all the way through through to the end. Huh. So, so they're impact demon that reads people through singing that runs a karaoke bar. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. he's the coolest character. <laughs> yeah. Also, a lot of reason to uh, get the cast to be singing on camera. The only thing I don't like about Lauren as a character is being, like, that faggot. Like, literally, like, the theater gay stereotype. Mm-hmm. But as a person, totally likable. I just don't like that the producers made the stereotype, you know? I, I get that sometimes. Like, like I don't like this as a creative character. If I met this person in real life, we'd be best friends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Totally fine. It's just, you know that straight people made this, like, gay stereotype, and you're kind of like, eh. Yeah. But. Like, the actor's performance, like, sells it for me. Mm. Yeah. So the deal in the fanfic <laughs> is that it's not just this one vampire. There's, like, vampires walking around with, like, high, what seem to be, like, high fevers, like, really bad. Rashes. Sick, rashes and stuff all over. And so Gunn's checking in with his crew, and everyone's reporting, like, yeah, we've slayed a record number of vampires tonight. They're, like, falling out of the woodwork, <laughs> and we're just staking them. And they're all like, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. But basically, they see no problem with this. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we cut over to Angel uh, Investigations. Is that the name? That's what Cordelia says when they answer the phone. And it's, ba- mm-hmm. it's basically a, a chapter full of good Wesley Cordelia Angel banter. Yeah. For the most part. Well, yeah. there's also well, stuff where like they're waiting in Cordelia's um, apartment when Cordelia's getting ready for a date. Mm-hmm. And there's some great... Um, Angel Wesley dialogue with the date as it goes on. <laughs> uh, so the date, dot, uh, Todd, sat down on the couch and nodded sympathetically. A fire. Man, that sucks. How'd it start? Gas leak, said Wesley. Bad wiring, said Angel, at the same time. <laughs> uh, the gas leak was caused by bad wiring, he amended, then wish he hadn't. Which is very Buffy Angel dialogue. It is, for sure. <laughs> Actually, the, the funniest thing about this scene to me was the Dennis stuff. Dennis the Dennis is stuff. Yeah. the ghost who lives with Cordelia. Going through this fanfic, <laughs> I was thinking a lot of the time, Dennis is getting taken for granted a whole lot here. Oh, he absolutely is. But He's always just, so helpful to Cordelia. That's just how the character is in, on Angel. Yeah. Because yeah. like, in every other episode, they have like a previously on Angel take where they show episodes previously that had something to do with and they always show like the, like the Dennis clip mm-hmm. but that's always just because Dennis moves something in the episode and they need to like address that <laughs> or yeah. like they move something Cordelia says thanks Dennis yeah I, I do appreciate that Cordelia is very conscientious about thanking Dennis yeah but like that's, that's it but like. yeah there's a lot of weird stuff with Dennis like for me the weirdest part in Angel about Dennis was like 
when Faith was hiding in the room, like tr- in the apartment, trying to like wait to kill Cordelia, Dennis kept trying to close the door to Cordelia. But mm-hmm. then when she was like, I'm only with Wesley, we're not gonna have sex, <laughs> he's just jealous. Dennis opens the door. It's like, uh. mm. anyway, there's a lot of inconsistency with him, but this fanfic is really good with him because there's a point where. The date that Cordelia is going on, uh, Todd, mm-hmm. he shows up, and there's a sword, like, hanging out there, <laughs> and Dennis, like, gradually, like, lifts and elevates and levitates the sword, and you're kind of, like... Right, while the guy's not looking, because it's kind of yeah, weird there's a sword looking. in the apartment. It's kind of, like, yeah. it, it's, it's kind of, like, ominous for a second, then he just, like, slowly floats it out of the room. Yeah, Wesley, you're like, thanks, Dennis. That's it, sweet. Yeah, in this scene, Wesley and Angel and Dennis are all hiding various demon-killing implements from the date. Yeah, it, it would be really funny if it was, like, some good visual gags. It's still pretty funny. And it is yeah. other than sending Cordelia off on her date. The other thing is that there's a prophecy that Wesley has turned up that is relevant to the events of this well, episode. Well, it's the Shanshu it's prophecy. It's the Shanshu prophecy. Yeah, but it's a part of the Shanshu prophecy that is this a part of the Shanshu prophecy that was specifically mentioned before? Well, the Shanshu prophecy is specifically mentioned in Angel, and that what happens specifically in the Shanshu prophecy changes throughout Angel, depending on. Oh, how okay. they interpret it. In so it's parts. just very, very angel that, like, there's I mean, a part of the Shanshu prophecy it, it, that it's, is... It's very angel to, like, have Wesley open the door, walk in, lay down, go, I just interpreted this. Or, like, we uh-huh. gotta pay, up, pay attention to this. Or there's a prophecy about this. There's I the see. main point is that the goal is that angel will turn human once the prophecy is fulfilled. Yeah, I remember but that yes. part. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So the Shanshu prophecy is purposefully vague for purposes of writing. Mm-hmm. And in this case, he's got, like, a translated thing. And a plague of demon-possessed blood drinkers shall come upon the city of angels, and there shall be death in the streets, and unto those who live also. And I like in the conversation, you know, Angel's first thought is like, uh, are we already in the middle of a plague of (laughs) demon-possessed blood drinkers? Because there's tons of vampires in L.A., and it's kind of weird. Yeah. And they're like, oh, actually, that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, Angel said, I've been all throughout the continent before I met, like, maybe one other vampire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can't throw a rock without hitting a vampire in L.A., and it's not even a hellmouth. Yeah. So. Yeah, which I love how they address that because the point of, like, Buffy is that Sunnydale's on a hellmouth. That's yeah. why there's all these demons. The rest of the world doesn't notice them because there's not so many. Mm-hmm. But people in Sunnydale, like, eventually do start to notice. But the thing about Angel is they never explain how so many demons can exist in L.A. and no one they notices. Say, yeah, they just so. say, it's L.A., shrug. Yeah. <laughs> in the right, Buffyverse, so. there should only be a lot of demons in um, Sunnydale and Cleveland, where the other Hellmouth is. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, They should have set Angel in Cleveland. City of Cleve. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Los Angeles is the city of angels. Right? Did yes. you just get that? It's Los Angeles. No. <laughs> no. The first episode was called City of Angels. <laughs> At the end of that chapter, Gunn gives them a call and he's like, uh, you, or actually gives them a house call, like comes to the mm-hmm. doorbell. And he's like, I've got something you probably want to see. Yeah. Um, and the chapter after that is friggin' Lindsay McDonald. Lindsay, uh, Lindsay. Lindsay. People who like watched her angel have a very specific thought about Lindsay. What is that thought? Uh, it depends on the person, I think. Is it freaking Lindsay? <laughs> he is bisexual. Okay. Ah. I think until the last season, it's like kind of an affectionate. Like people like Lindsay, I think okay. as a character. Why? I don't know. <laughs> 
I mean, well, why do you like any of the Wolf and Hart characters? Yeah, I mean, he, like, vacillates, <laughs> you know. There's there's several points he thinks about leaving them and being, you know, like, not an evil lawyer. But then he <laughs> never really fully commits. So liking him is, like... Wait, wait, I tell me about know. these non-evil lawyers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about I, I that. Cheap shot, cheap shot. Okay. <laughs> they, they do it several times in Angel. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Uh, what Lindsay's doing is that he's taking a potential client to the opera. The and client is a vampire. One of those, like, elder vampire types. Yeah, yeah. the ones that start looking more like demons. Right, the kind of ones that, like, would have been a big deal in first season Buffy and then are kind of not. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, he's really eager to court this guy because he's, like, approaching them for something involving summoning the principalities. The principalities are demons in the Buffyverse? Um, in the Buffy verse, you can name a thing, and it's a, and it, then it then becomes an established thing. <laughs> okay. So in this context, this would be the first time you heard of the principalities, but you would understand the context from how people talked about it. Right. I mean, okay. So it's not an established Buffy verse thing. That it's in this fanfic. Yeah. Okay. That's that's fair. Because but it, it is a Buffy verse thing to say something and establish that and talk about it like it has been established thing the whole time. Okay. It's just that Principality is one of the ranks of angels, like, very specifically. Yeah. It would be like having demons and it's like, yeah, they're cherubim. I, I guess that wouldn't be that weird. Whatever. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. You okay. got so, it. <laughs> so, so the point is, this is a big ticket, you know. Um, it would be summon. a big ticket client sum, yeah. summon thing if, you know, they get a deal going through. And then the elder vampire, Mr. Favard, like, barfs blood onto the carpet of this classy opera because he's contracted the, you know, whatever vampire disease is going around. Mm -hmm. And it's almost interesting and tense after that for a moment where, like, Lindsay has to convince the usher. It's like, no, no, we do not need to take this elderly man who just vomited blood onto the floor to the hospital. This elder, elderly man with no pulse. With no pulse. Yeah. Which is a hard sell. It's cold and clammy. It's actually, um, what play, what opera are they watching at the time? It's Don Giovanni. Is yeah. the, what's the title? Uh, it's one of the ones oh, where... Oh, Don Giovanni is the name of the opera. Yeah, Mozart. Oh, yes, of course. So there's this... <laughs> This nice part where um, towards the end of the chapter, there, you know, you've got this vampire vomiting blood, and it's like apparently there's no vampire diseases, as right. we discover shortly after. But you know, he's attempting to stand up, and he doubles over in pain. And um, Lindsay heard the ugly sound of retching again, followed closely by several screams from the ground floor. On the stage, John Giovanni was being pulled down into hell, unrepentant and damned. So you get this very intense depiction of mm -hmm. the uh, juxtaposition of the opera. Well, I suppose it's not juxtaposition; it's the parallel of the opera. Yeah, and, it's good staging. Yeah, I it, feel like it's very very well described staging because they're also sitting in a box, you know, elevated above. I feel like the staging theater. is not a word that I have usually applied when talking about fanfics, but I think it might be a strength of this one. Yeah, it's like things happen in scenes that are interesting and easy to imagine fairly consistently. Like, this would be a good yeah. teleplay. Or yeah, something. it would. And actually, also, right after the uh, Don Giovanni is pulled into hell, we have a paragraph that goes, Lindsay grabbed Farv Favard, 
by the back of his jacket and hauled him unceremoniously back into the box where he collapsed onto the ruined carpet, clutching his stomach and moaning. Yeah, So you get this, like, unceremonious clutching after the, like, drama of Giovanni being pulled into hell. Yeah. And then it, ends it's with, good juxtaposition. Um, That's good juxtaposition right there. Yeah. I then, see the good storyboard. Yeah, it ends with, with no alternative course open to him. Lindsay sat down next to Favard's semi-conscious twitching body and waited. And, and when I read that, I imagined the uh, crescendo of the strings and then cut to black and then, then commercials. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Now, speaking of staging, scene four, it's more normal staging because it's just Cordelia on a date at a fancy restaurant right. with her date. The, the chapter's called Cordelia the Vampire Slayer, which I really like. <laughs> yeah. This has one scene that I just thought was really pitch perfect Yeah, uh, towards the end there. Yeah, this I, is a really good scene for Cordelia. Like, she doesn't get a lot of play in Buffy. She's depicted as shallow. She gets, Well, that's why Angel in general is a good series. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of the first season of Angel is Cordelia getting really standout moments, I mm-hmm. think. Totally. You really like her in Angel. And in this scene, you kind of love her. Yeah, I could really imagine Cordelia's actor do- doing the scene well. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, part of it is this kind of date chat and her trying to describe her life and work situation in ways that are not weird and scary, which, you know, she does a decent job of that. Yeah, because she's out on her date in this scene. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the date is crashed by a vampire. But it's a vampire acting strange. He comes in, he... He's one of these sick vampires. Yes, With of a course. blotchy purple... Rash, slow and mm-hmm. unsteady on its feet, and Barry Sound tries to bite the waiter, and so Cord- so Cordelia, who had made a point earlier on of packing a steak in her purse, because like you always do, <laughs> yeah, uh, she's she's got she's got it, she understands the deal. Actually, like before the action happens in this scene, the funny part to me was like her date describes Wesley and Angel as a cute couple, oh, yeah. and it's the that that was based on like a scene in the first season. Where one of she goes out with two of her girlfriends, which she almost never she, really she loses later. Does yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, could, oh yeah, there's a whole thing with that. That's the one where she gets alien pregnant, and I didn't like that yeah. episode. But anyway, <laughs> point being is that everybody seems to think that Wesley and Angel are a couple, and she just like thinks about trying to correct him, and then like is like, oh, but the no, guy no, who's staying with me because Angel's staying with her at the time. Yeah, she says, no, they're not a cute couple. They're the cutest couple. <laughs> yes, because she thinks about what it would seem to be with Angel staying with her if he wasn't right. gay. And there's and all this stuff. So and, handsome. Yeah, it's just because he's so handsome. I don't. I don't know why people think David Boreanaz is that handsome. Like, no offense. Everybody to him, on the Angel shelf thinks Angel's handsome. Yeah. And so various good lines from Cordelia when she takes out her stake. You know, they've been discussing her acting career. Mm-hmm. When she takes out her stake, she says, "Vampire zombies from beyond the Hellmouth." She said to herself, starring Cordelia Chase. And Todd is like, well, what are you doing? Are you taking a piece of wood? And she's like, Todd, sit, watch, learn. And she goes and she stakes the vampire. And I, it's so perfect that she has no context for the fact that this is not like that some vampires are sick and not acting normal. She just like, you know, mm-hmm. taps on the shoulder or whatever and like stakes it through the heart. And afterwards, she's like, geez, the way Buffy acts, you think this was tough or something. <laughs> so good. It's, that was so good. It's also fun because in both Buffy and Angel, the uh, amount that a normal person can fight a vampire is always nebulous and changes dramatically from scene to scene. Right, just based on dramatic necessity. Exactly. <laughs> but this also makes sense because he's sick and he's frenzied and he doesn't expect somebody to come and try to stake and, him. Or yeah. And Cordelia is experienced. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that. I like they did it that way. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I, I like the title for the next section. Read it. Yeah. A Vampire in the Basement and Other Errors of Feng Shui. <laughs> Actually, all the chapter titles are quite good. They're pretty fun. Yeah. So because vampires were just staggering around everywhere last night, Gunn and company just, like, grabbed one. <laughs> just and, kept you know, one, yeah. Yeah, they just kept one to, like, show to Angel because, you know, they're, they're allied, basically. Um, and they have it, like, locked up in... Uh, what is it exactly? In the basement of wherever they're staying. Yeah, you know, makeshift cell. Probably that same factory set they use for every other night scene. <laughs> I remember that factory set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even just from the first season, watching it, like, many years ago. <laughs> And, like, Gun's crew is very anti-vampire, and, like, it seems like it should be prejudiced, but, like, they have very good reason to be anti-vampire. Well, yeah, I think being anti-vampire is not, like, a unreasonable stance for anybody. No. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, compared to the, like, police detective ally, they're, they've got, they understand Angel's, like, a good guy who kills vampires and demons. Like, yeah, they, they got the idea. They have a thing in later seasons of Angel, maybe third or fourth season... When Gunn's more of a member of Angel's team than mm. uh, Gunn's original crew, where Gunn's original crew comes back and talks mm. about Gunn like they're a human traitor or something, mm. huh. and does like terrorist acts against nice demons. I can see yeah. that too, I guess. Um, so, you know, Angel and Wesley take a look at it, and they're like, oh yeah, it seems really sick. But Wesley's like, oh, both of them are like, but... Vampires do not get sick. There are no vampire diseases. That's not a thing. Like, this can't be a thing. <laughs> Which is also something they'd say in an Angel or Buffy episode. <laughs> right, despite all appearances. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is, yeah, Wesley. Oh, yeah. That's one they, of those well, qu- questions, though, when, like, when you talk about vampires, like, are there vampire diseases? Like, demons <laughs> get sick? <laughs> Wait a minute. Because they do have vampire poisons. They've established yeah. that. But, uh, over here, also, yeah, good, good blocking. Wesley was kneeling by the cage now, moving his hand back and forth through the vampire's line of sight, apparently trying to determine if it was conscious. So you think this is some sort of disease? Gunn gave Angel a skeptical look. This is the brains of your outfit? <laughs> Angel yeah. said nothing, which is also very Angel, and Wesley pointedly ignored the remark. It's, it's, it's understandable that an uninformed amateur might conclude that this creature is ill, but that's quite impossible. There are no vampire diseases. You sure about that? asked Gunn. Because there are one hell of a lot of sick vamps out there. <laughs> and, you know, that's the general vibe of the scene. Yeah. And at this point, we're going to stop doing it uh, chapter to chapter and try to move through this a little bit more quickly. Our protagonists meet back up and, you know, compare notes. And the action's really propelled by Cordelia getting a vision, which is also very, very angel. Yes. And what's the vision lead them to? Uh, the hospital. Yeah. The hospital where there's, like, a kid who's also sick, like a human non-vampire kid. With the same sickness that the vampires have. Right, which is yeah, strange. Swatchy purple stuff. Well, they have some hypotheses about this, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, one is that they're trying to put silver nitrate into the water supply. Yeah. That's one of the, the theories they come up with. They yeah. talk about somebody's trying to poison the uh, vampire population by poisoning the food supply. Mm-hmm. Which is apparently precedented that, that folks have done this before, or mm, no? I don't no, think so. Okay. It's just general theory. Yeah, it's it is theory. It's the kind of like equivalent of techno babble in the Buffy verse that yeah. like makes total sense, but yeah. like is not going to come up again. Yeah, they're rerouting power from the <laughs> life support to the shields. Anyway, the idea <laughs> is that yeah, if they put silver nitrate, holy water, and stuff into the water, but like it would, but they uh, were like, yeah, it would poison the blood supply of, the of humans, would die. right? Yeah. yeah. It's the, but it would kill the children 
are in the most vulnerable population, the children and the elderly and the sick, because yeah. silver nitrate in that amount of quantity is in the poison. water. Would so be that's poison. their theory yeah. as to why there's a, a sick kid, and like they're expecting that we did see more and, and more people vampires, like this later, yeah. and sick vampires. Um, and you know, people go off in different directions. Like Angel has to go. Um, I forget what he's taking out exactly when he goes to meet with. Oh, I guess he's like tipping off their police contact. What's her name? Yeah, uh, they go to the hospital. Um, Angel drinks from a water cooler while listening to Wolfram and Hart lawyers talk about and doctors talk about something. Oh yeah, and then afterwards goes to meet with Kate, their uh, police detective contact, who's yeah. pretty hostile at this point in the series. She's always hostile. Mm. She's okay. not hostile in the early parts of Angel. She mm. turns hostile at first, and then nice, then realizes Angel is a vampire, then hostile, then hostile, then hostile. <laughs> yeah, she's she's hostile after like the first four episodes, right? Uh, then there's a turning point, and then turning back. Yeah. So there's like a sweet spot where there's not, but yeah, mostly hostile. <laughs> so he tips her off. He's like, oh, maybe you could check out the water supply. He's like, ah, fine, whatever. And Kate's like, you're a vampire, go away. Right. Also, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but also, he runs into a tattooed vampire and gets into a, a fight with it. Mm-hmm. And I thought the whole fight scene was very, like, very Buffyverse. It's, you know, demons punching each other mm-hmm. kind of thing mm-hmm. and, like, grappling with each other sometimes. And, you know, the big revelation here is that, well, for one thing, this there's this vampire's got tattoos all over it. Mm-hmm. For another thing, it doesn't seem to be hurt by sunlight, which is a big deal. Not hurt as much. Not, oh, yes. Well, it doesn't seem to be badly seared by sunlight. Yes. Compared to, say, Angel, who is. Yeah, and yeah. so it's one Not of those fights it. where it's like one of them's trying to force the other into, like, the sunlight, you know, out of the shade of the alley or whatever. That kind of fight. So, you can picture it just from that description, I'm sure. Tori, what do you think about the fights in Buffy and Angel? Uh, what do I think about the fights? Um... You know, I will say that this fanfic, I think, does a good job of picking those fights. I think they're very struggle-oriented. Mm. Yeah. And that's where the tension comes from, is it's a lot of times, like, you know, Bruce Lee always kind of had this thing where it's like a real fight doesn't happen until it's on the ground kind of thing. And and that's where, the, like, the kenjutsu, like, or, um, sorry, the jujitsu, <laughs> kenjutsu is this word. Thing. <laughs> I'm tired. Jiu-Jitsu element comes in as it's like what the style of whatever works. Um, Anything goes martial arts? Is this a crossover or something? So what I'm trying to say is that I think that in you know a lot of media we see fighting happen in a very um, stylized way. That's very true in Buffy and Angel. Yeah, and a lot of flipping. Angel is a little more gritty than Buffy. I would say it's a little more grappling oriented, but it's usually. When the struggles happen, it's like we were talking about trying to push someone into the sun because mm-hmm. Angel's a vampire. So a lot of times the fighting is oriented on his weakness as a vampire. Holy water crosses being pushed into the sunlight. Um, it's still very overdone, but it's not <laughs> like Buffy where a lot of it's flipping into staking. And, very, very big kicks in the middle. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which is always fun to watch. You know, I love a good martial arts <laughs> fight, but... Um, I, I feel weird about because, like, I think the stunt people all, are all very good. They're quite like, good. Yeah. I'm not sure it fits in the flow of the episode as well. It always, after binging like a whole bunch of Buffy and Angel, it always seems like the fights are the parts where like I check out and like yeah. ch- check my phone. I know what you mean. I actually like I like the fights in Buffy better because there's a lot of gymnastics in it. Yeah, and it's yeah. really mm-hmm. fun to watch. Like there's handstands and back handsprings. Yeah, and, the, like, the the Buffy um, stunt actors they have there are, are amazing. Yeah. And Angel, it's always a little bit, I don't know, more forced, I guess. It's like, 
uh, yeah, more of that struggle element uh, to create tension. But it's hard to believe a lot of those struggles because you can see so many ways in which they could easily counter their opponent. And instead, they're pushing on each other. Yeah, instead they like grab both shoulders and push instead. Exactly. Yeah, I and mean, it's exactly how it plays out in this fanfic. So that's a compliment, <laughs> I suppose, to the fic. Is it's very Angel. Yeah. yeah, and also I just like to say I like um, Spice actors James Marsters uh, staff work. It's always always amazing to watch the poll. No, it's really good. Staff yeah. fighting's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't have any other venue to say that, so that's why I said it here. <laughs> no, it's good. And, and the other thing is that there's a huge element that you can't give to any other piece of media of any piece of wood being a dangerous object. <laughs> so anytime anything's broken off into a spike of wood, yeah. you think somebody's going to get staked, and they're, they're able to play on the element a lot. It's so and, weird in the Buffyverse, because you're supposed to be scared of vampires, but they can be killed with a pencil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They, they basically, a lot of times they seem like humans, except easier to kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, later on. And like, I can't remember what episode it was. It was like, I think late in Buffy, they talk about how Maybe that uh, vampire that just come out doesn't know all that uh, vampire martial arts that all the vampires seem to know. <laughs> yeah, they make a good point at that. And in Angel, there's less of a martial arts element, and I think that's their attempt to be more gritty. But it it also does seem a little. Uh, I don't. I guess what I was trying is a little blase, is a little trite. I yeah, suppose. yeah, yeah. Like it'd be more interesting if it was a shootout or something instead. Yeah, they often bring guns into the fights. That's the thing. Angel has the, the Angel series has guns. Buffy does not. Buffy mm-hmm. has Buffy series has a very strict no gun policy. Mm. Uh, Angel's policy is there's a problem. Let's bring all the guns. <laughs> <laughs> which leads to one of my favorite catchphrases, which is with a- a- Evil Angel at some point, like someone's trying to shoot him with a shotgun, and then they take it and they just oh vampire with a shotgun. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> It is quite funny how they use guns in, in the series. In Angel, yeah, they, they load up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you can do that. Like, that doesn't diffuse the dramatic tension in a series where you're fighting demons and vampires all no. the time. No, it's like, it's like barely putting yourself on equal platform. Uh, <laughs> Angel gets shot a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and he also gets beaten up. Well, the main thing coming out of this fight with this tattooed vampire is that he's come down with the sickness. Mm-hmm. Angel has, and that's that's part of the reason why like this fight is really tough anyway. Yeah. It's actually. And, oh, sorry. Oh, ahead. sorry. What was that? I was just going to move on to other plot points. <laughs> I was going to say there's a really dramatic moment where Cordelia re-enters her apartment. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a right. Cordelia and Wesley. You know, Angel is brought back to the the apartment, Cordelia's apartment, mm-hmm. to try to recuperate, but they can't do much for him. So they go out and investigate other leads, like going to this kid's school and pretending to be her parents or oh, something right. and like in order to follow up the lead of maybe silver nitrate poisoning from that quarter or Which something. Is really fun Cordelia Wesley moment. <laughs> it is. It's fun. But yeah, at one point when um, when they're out of the apartment. So yeah, the, they go to school and they pretend to be a couple and it's sweet. But it's sweet and weird. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, they go back to the to Cordelia's apartment where Angel's been staying because this is in between season one and season two, so their their office has been exploded. <laughs> so Angel needed a place to stay, and he stayed with Cordelia. This is before the hotel. Before the hotel, yeah. Right. Um, so Angel's staying with Cordelia, and he's encountered the sickness. They get back, and Cordelia walks in, and there's just, like, this awful stench. 
It's like the worst possible smell. And it's because, you know, some vampire has vomited up old blood, rotten pig's blood on the carpet. <laughs> and Cordelia, of course, is looking around like, oh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> like, my carpet is ruined. How am I going to get this out of the hardwood? She's and about Angel as, is, of course, dying. She's about as nice about it as anyone could be, I feel like. Well, as Cordelia is. Right. <laughs> no, she's very... Cordelia is an interesting character, and I really like her for this. Is she displays her superficial, like, personal concerns very honestly, but she's also very concerned with Angel. She's also very concerned with the fact that the value of her apartment has gone quite down due to the <laughs> rancid blood in her hardwood floor. That's what's mm-hmm. interesting about the Cordelia characters. Like, they're very in touch with their um, quote-unquote shallow side, which is a just kind of very human side. Mm-hmm. But they don't feel any guilt about it, and they're just very like just a good person in general. Mm-hmm. But yeah, unapologetic about unapologetic some of those about, other things. Yeah. Yeah. No, because she points it out. She's like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never getting this out of the hardwood. Yeah. <laughs> You know, in sar- more sarcastic, quippy, Whedon-ish dialogue most of the time. Whedonistic? Whedonistic. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, I, we're kind of jumping around on the plot points, but in terms of plot points, they find out what this group they're dealing with is from the, you know, the tattoo angle. They're called the Brethren. Right. It they're, turns out... They're a group of super vampires that there were a vampire cult based around an ideology, and they... Um, strengthen themselves against vampire weaknesses so they're better vampires. Yeah, they're, they're just doing the, like, princess bride, man in black thing of, like, building up their immunity Re- over... like to Iocane powder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're all very, very old vampires. So that's it. And their modus operandi is to call out the, quote-unquote, weaker vampires mm-hmm. so they just um, carpet bomb the area with a poison that they're resi- resilient to in, in order to get rid of all the vampires in in the area. I mean, they, they may have had different methods in the past because they're saying, like, um, in the old records, it seems more like it just kind of came in and individually killed everybody. But in this case, it seems to be their goal is to, yeah, use this poison or the, whatever. They're evolving method. with the times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's a little <laughs> bit nutty because it's like their particular cult has a resistance to this, but nobody else does. And so a you very. You think if strong... any vampire could do that, every vampire would be doing it. Right. <laughs> so a very strong vampire represented by Wolfram and Hart was destroyed by this and an and angel or he no, didn't actually die. He from didn't it, actually but... die. We'll get to that. Right. But was being sick from this and Angel is, is sick from this. And yet this cult claims superiority because they've developed their own resistance. Mm-hmm. It's vaguely defined because they're the bad guys, which is also very Buffy verse Yeah. <laughs> and all the investigations lead up to finding out the various, you know, allied factions, finding out that it is poison, not a disease. It is being spiked water, but it's not like the water for the city. It's the water from this like private mineral water, mineral water company that yeah. the brethren have set up. <laughs> so it's only been in like some specific mm-hmm. locations and such. It has a pretentious name too. What is it? Clearwater or yeah, something, something like that. And so you know they need to like gear up and go out and like try to fight all the brethren and kill the brethren. Still life. Still, still, still alive. Life water. <laughs> and we, we also, at this point, when um, Wesley and Cordelia were trying to infiltrate this, the private school, the, there was also another child who became violently ill while they were at the school. It's a decent mystery in that there's some good red herrings and the, and the investigators making very reasonable guesses and following up on them. Yeah. It's not necessarily a decent mystery in that, like, 
I didn't care about it all that much. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. There's also a thing about like the first season of Angel where they have not only like double fake outs, but like triple fake outs. Mm-hmm. Like with that one episode with the um, demon possessed the kid. Mm-hmm. Like at first you go in and you think, oh, this dad is doing something to the uh, to the family. Then you're like, oh no, a demon's possessing one of the, one of the pe- people of this family. Who is it? Oh no, it's the kid. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, this this demon is causing the kid to do evil stuff. So they get get rid of the demon. Then later the, they talk to the demon. The demon's like, well, I'm glad I got out of there because that place was dark as all out. <laughs> and yeah, then the it goes demon. back to the, to the kid, and the kid's trying to kill the whole family. Yeah, the demon was actually <laughs> trapped within the child rather than possessing it willingly. <laughs> like, it, like actually went to possess the child, but then was trapped there because the child was the dark presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Which so is one of the problems I have with Angel is this, <laughs> like, uh, the inherent darkness of the child is, like, never explained. It's like, and also, oh, yeah, like, some children are just evil. Like, yeah. what? You <laughs> know, those evil children. And, like, the triple yeah. figure out thing means you can never trust anything they tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so this fanfic tries to do some of that. There's a red herring at the school where, like, one of their theories is it might be a curse and they see someone doing magic in one of the rooms and, like, bust in, like, we've got you. And it's actually a, like, witch teacher who is trying to, like, protect the students in the school with magic yeah. and failing. Uh, very yeah. buffy. Yeah. That one was yeah. very buffy. Um, but anyway, you know, for the climax, everyone's gearing up to, like, head out and fight brethren vampires. And, and like, by everyone, I mean Wesley and Gunn and his crew and um, who's the officer? Detective Lockley. Detective. Yeah. Basically, all these Kate people Lockley. have independently come to the same... Um, business park where still life has their operations Mm -hmm. and they all meet dramatically yeah and but in the meantime back in the apartment like Lindsay has come to murder angel while everybody else is out yes and he you know he kind of talks to angel a little bit angel's delirious he's saying stuff he's been you know like that for a while there's a fun fever dream that angel has beforehand that's true the yeah. fever dream about um his past life and mm-hmm. being sick in bed with his mom yeah we kind mm-hmm. of have a, a, a return to that which was a cold open yeah um but yeah Lindsay does a little bit of villainous monologuing just a little but it's enough dramatically so the cordelia can come in and like you know let what does she have a gun she lovers a stake at him or something i forget something yeah what why would she use the stake on <laughs> because a stake through the heart will kill people it too. still works uh, on people <laughs> that's that's the, no that's actually an excellent yeah uh, Lindsay's talking about like i don't have to stake you because i hate you i'm gonna stake you because i want to mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna stake you because i deserve it right because <laughs> this is a treat for me exactly <laughs> and so oh, Lindsay. they even though dennis disarms Lindsay. And I was kind of thinking, Cordelia, you could you could kill this guy. Like, I kind of get why she doesn't, because, you know, he's a human person, and there's legal ramifications, especially when he's from a law firm. And I don't all. think this point in the series, but they haven't really established that, in, that Lindsay is a fighter or not. Hmm. Has, like, taken levels in fighting class. No, they have not established whether he can fight. Okay. But Dennis can do really useful things. <laughs> That's true, too. <laughs> but in the end, you know, he leaves a business card. Which later on the fanfic, I, I was kind of jumping back and forth a bit. Mm-hmm. He was a business card. He's like, I feel like you're someone I can do business with. Business with. So if you need to do some business, here's the business. 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 <laughs> oh. uh, some serious business. <laughs> let's get down to business. <laughs> yeah, he leaves a card on his way out, and obviously, like if you leave a card, the card has to be fired by the third act. So <laughs> Cordelia 
uses that in the end. It's the deus ex machina because it turns out when you have like a whole group of really powerful vampires against like Wesley and a police officer and some kids that are admittedly good vampire hunters, it's the kind of number situation that doesn't work out too well. Do we get a reason why Lindsay left in the first place? Was he overwhelmed by Cortelia? Yeah, he he was disarmed, and she yeah I see. could have like physically murdered him if she really wanted to, and so he didn't really have the chance to like kill Angel yeah, there. Lindsay's, Lindsay's motivation has vacillated throughout yeah. the show so far. Mm. If this is towards the end of the first season, it keeps on doing like that too. Yes, like, it does. Well, it, it kind of makes sense for Lindsay's character to um back out if there's a fight while still trying to maintain the higher ground and what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. So, like, Lindsay leaves the business card saying, you're going to call me and, and negotiate. And, like, yes. scam loses. And, and she does. Like, yeah. it, it's the way that the situation is resolved at the end is that various, you know, Chekhov's guns get fired. Cordelia <laughs> had used the business card, it turns out later, to contact Lindsay to arrange to summon the principalities which was mentioned in like the third which was mentioned part, back yeah. in that conversation with the elder vampire and you know the principalities basically like tear apart the brethren and they're like these you know crazy looking because like things wesley with the detective with guns crew were on the losing end of a fight with the bad vampires the, yeah. the brethren yeah these super vampires yeah and you know it comes out in the falling action you know you need to do that because you know, it was to save Angel's life. I don't quite understand how killing the Brethren actually helps Angel specifically. Well, it, I guess it's more to save humans' it lives. It was to, to stop the infection and to get Angel to Wolfman Hart's clinic. Oh, that was part of the deal. Replace, I forgot. Where they replace all their blood with clean vampire blood. Clean vampire blood, right. They have... Wolfram and Hart has a relationship with a private clinic that serves, you know... Just outside of city, city limits. Vampire customers. And that, that had also been established earlier as a place where, you know, the elder vampire that Lindsay was trying to, like, Which, make a deal with was taken to. And Cordelia, and Cordelia called them because Lindsay told Cordelia to watch the TV at some point, which Cordelia f- forgot about, but Dennis turned on the TV. <laughs> Dennis and, is MVP. Yeah, and Cordelia um. saw the um, vampire, the ancient vampire I mentioned earlier, was up and about and uh, healthy mm-hmm. in, in, in the background. Which kind of proved that Wolfram Hart had some sort of cure for this. Yes. And so the deal that she made was she handed over the prophecy scrolls. Handed over the Shanshu scrolls. Shanshu scrolls. Yeah. Which had been stolen from Wolfram Hart earlier in the series anyway, which right? Which dramatically yes. appropriate enough. And, yeah. and, you know, Lindsay also gave all the information that they had about it. And Lindsay was happy to make this deal because it made him look really good to his superiors who were not, they weren't angry with him specifically over the, like, his client getting sick. But they were very interested in their clients not getting sick and dying. Yeah. And so... So where do we land on the children who were sick? The, uh, chil- the Wolfman Hart volunteered, uh, along with all that, to mm-hmm. take care of the sick children. And it was mm-hmm. a great PR move for Wolfman Hart. It yeah. was. But do you, we understand why they were sick in the first place? Because uh, they were also drinking the mineral water. With silver and nitrate. Which, silver, silver nitrate. which also has silver nitrate. So we did determine it was silver nitrate poisoning. It was uh, silver nitrate. things, like an unholy water and some other things. That and like a minor ours. curse to bind it all together. curse, yeah. <laughs> which was the element that the doctors were having trouble identifying implicitly. For some reason, I had the impression it ended up being other than the initial hypothesis of the poison, but I suppose it was. So yeah. there we go. And so then all it's left to do is for people to debate with Cordelia whether or not that was a good move. 
but she's like, and Angel's like, you should have just let me die because I'm a, I'm a cursed existence. I'm a vampire. I love your Angel impressions. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and Cordelia's kind of like, fuck that. Like, you're my friend. I'm not going to, like, let you die if I have an yeah. option. Yeah. Wesley and Angel both said, like, if we had the choice, we would chose not to. And Cordelia's like, well, fuck all y'all. Right. <laughs> and they all kind of agree to disagree because they appreciate her motives and respect her choices and also angel's not dead and that's cool and also angel was dead for a period in this, in this yeah, oh that's right we yeah. skipped that yeah, yeah he's but extra dead this was this really annoying <laughs> part dead. of this fan fiction i'm not True gonna lie is that <laughs> for a minute there angel stopped breathing which oh hey you know he doesn't actually have to breathe wasn't breathing at all in the he, first place. He, he never really does that like it's not a thing yeah now, this is my big issue with Buffy, too, by the way, is the fact that in the first season, he can't save Buffy because he has no, no breath. breath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Xander has to do revive her. Has to do yeah. CPR. But yet again, Angel smokes, Spike smokes, everybody breathes. Like, you have to breathe to talk. <laughs> yeah. Everybody breathes. And so at this point, at least they address the fact that Breathing is a thing that vampires do. Yeah, it says specifically he didn't need to breathe to live, but he needed yeah. to inhale to speak. So he and so at like breathing. one point he's too sick to even. And they do talk that. about breathing yeah. as more of a comfort thing than a need to sure. live thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but vampires do breathe. We see them panting frequently from exertion. You That's know, true. Whatever. They don't need to breathe, but they do breathe. Mm-hmm. This is my big issue with Buffy, though, is the <laughs> fact that Angel claims he can't do CPR because he can't breathe. When they always, they do breathe frequently. Like, they couldn't smoke. They, anyway, they can still move the air, yeah. Yeah, they cannot, they can breathe. Um, but there's this whole thing where he, like, stops breathing completely, and Cordelia sees the soul leave his eyes as if he's dead. But he does not turn to dust. He's just lying there, like, of oh, course. Yeah, you're right. There, no one should have thought fucking, he was dead. like, freaked out about it. She's like, he's totally dead. He's totally dead. Blah, well, blah, she's blah. Like, it's a, like, why would she think that? Because, it, it, like, a vampire that's asleep should look like a corpse, right? Yeah. Pretty much? Yeah, you would think. Pretty much, yeah. But she yeah. Does, they do get that later. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't... None of this actually means he's dead because he's a vampire. Yeah, but basically it... It uh, serves to disturb Cordelia, mm-hmm. who's yeah, like, and watching, force her more watching over their friend, and their friend just looks dead, dead. Mm-hmm. But she should know this. Like, she's seen him sleep. She knows. Anyway, point being, she she gets all perturbed about it, and she gets to this, like, there's got to be a catch. There's got to be a catch. There's got to be a way I can get out of this. There's always a way I can get out of this. And that's when she calls Lindsay for the cure. Takes the uh, but, car out of the trash and calls him up. Yeah. But it's one of those things where it, this maybe my only complaint about this fanfic is it's like we don't get any evidence in the series that anyone would think a vampire was dead if they weren't turned to dust. Well, I think it's the uh, psychological culmination of watching someone be sick for a while and delirious and eventually for a long time on your couch. Mm-hmm. I think it's that catatonic, might, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it might put someone into more panic mode. Yeah, I, I, I kind of get it. It's just also like, why does she think he's dead? Because vampires are not like dead unless they're dead. And like, also, if this is something they don't understand. They don't know how it works. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The whole I disease mean, but, or like poisoning situation yeah. to begin she with. She totally gets that a vampire turns to dust when they're gone. You know. Anyway. Okay. By the way, I saw at the library mm-hmm. a like young adult Buffy book, and I checked it out, and it's a reboot. What? It's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer middle school reboot. And it's, I was like, how did I not hear about this happening? 
Um, I don't remember the title, but it's like it's all it's not all new characters. The returning characters are Buffy, Joyce, and Mr. Pointy. And but like the watcher is different, <laughs> the friends are are different. Um, Wait, Giles isn't in it? No, it's a different Watcher. What? Why? Because it's a completely different continuity. I was like, how are people not talking about this? They just like did a new Buffy series as a young adult novel. They have Mr. Pointy, but not Giles? Yes, seriously. Look, Mr. Pointy is far more important than Giles. No. No. Do Do they even have the context for Mr. Pointy? (laughs) That was Kendra's stake. Do they even have the context? No, she just names it Mr. Pointy. And does Mr. Pointy does a great rendition of Freebird? I don't think so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Giles is the hottest character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I just love like the times when like when Giles is singing and all of a sudden like, everybody's like super turned on. <laughs> and it's also like super hilarious too, like watching it as an adult mm-hmm. to see all the like teens and like college students perturbed by Giles being sexy. Here's the cover. This uh, is Buffy the Vampire Slayer New School Nightmare. I'm not happy. The the friends are like another witch and another vampire, but not the witch or the vampire from the original. That looks like a werewolf. I sorry, not not vampire. I meant werewolf. An, a werewolf <laughs> who is not Oz. A witch who is not you know Willow. 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 Or Tara. A watcher who is not oh, Giles. Tara. And vampires turn into bats when they're staked. That's what jogged my memory. Is that they don't turn into oh dust. They turn God. into bats and. Like, the bats fly away. No, only Dracula can do that. It's <laughs> not okay with me. I'm sorry, Dom, I misspoke. The Draculas turn into bats when they're staked. <laughs> Thank you, Almada. Much more accurate. Oh, no. Uh, sorry, I just had to share that with you. Why, Almada? <laughs> I have to sleep sometime tonight. <laughs> I. It's just, I, I don't know, I was just so surprised that it... Existed and that's like officially licensed. Oh yeah, it's for real. Oh, I'm ashamed. Who's it written by? <laughs> um, Carolyn yes. Nowak. Nowak. Oh, Nowak. Okay. It was like written by like Marty Noxon or something. I'd be okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. There is a second book as well mm-hmm. that came out September just... of this year. Wait, that's not even out yet. It's September 24th of 2019. So. It's a thing that's going on now. So this is a okay. thing that's happening now. It's a thing that is happening so now. Saying we can stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> if we defeat the evil force behind the Buffy teen Twin. story, <laughs> can't stop story. this. Can't stop this train. Uh, All right. How did this transaction end? <laughs> uh, well, we basically described it. There's kind of but a hanging a cliffhanger right. where, like, Wolfram and Hart are talking, and they're like, "Oh, well, we'll deal with." Angel another way with this thing that's going to happen next episode. Which was the season one cliffhanger, I think. Yes. Oh, yeah? Yeah, which was what was in the box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was not the wife's head? It was... <laughs> well, in this case, it's like it they're talking vampire. about they're talking about someone who is an ally who is female. And, like, Whoa. she's a vicious, smart yes. killer, and she knows the true nature of the demon inside our angel. Yeah. Another seven or eight weeks to regain her strength, and she'll be ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. They couldn't account for the syphilis, then? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's, that's, we talked about the main points of the fanfic. We did. It's very original flavor, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, it's, I feel like in some ways that's always fun to read, and in other ways it's always kind of hard to talk about, for me. Because you mentioned before how being on tone isn't really necess- necessary for a fanfiction for you. No, not at all. I mean, but, but I said in that conversation, like, there's a certain pleasure to it, mm-hmm. but, but I feel feel like it's harder to talk about it's just like yeah that felt very much like you know back to the future or like yeah that seemed very angel 
Or what's the last one we did? I feel like we did another one recently. Oh, the X-Files episode. Yeah. yeah. So the, the X-Files story was like, oh, yeah, that's very X-Files. But if they're not doing something totally off the wall, it's a little bit harder to discuss. <laughs> it's more like we're just watching an episode of Angel and talking about what happened. That's true, but I, I think that's where maybe our praise can lie. Is, oh, for sure. Is very on tone for Angel, like even the corny pieces. And I don't know how much of this was the author like intending, you know, that deliberate kind of like corniness, or if they bought into the Angel vibe enough to try to emulate it, you know. But the, well, they, it, they I'll bet it was conscious, tone. yeah. It's conscious one way or the other. It's just they caught the tone. Yeah. And that's definitely something to praise. It's just, yeah, there are definitely points where it becomes very, I don't know, like points where it doesn't make sense plot-wise, like why these children are getting sick. Uh, There's the initial hypothesis that, uh, you you know, at first, like when the brotherhood brethren brethren come in, doesn't seem true. And then it becomes true nonetheless seems a little bit, like, off-base. Like, they could have done a little more to do that work rather than going with the silver nitrate poisoning hypothesis that had come out of nowhere to start with. Well, the way they twist but, that is that they originally think it's, like, the city's water and it turns out to be, like... The mm, high quality yeah, mineral. But exactly. how is that a yeah. twist? Like, that's it's, just... Well, it's, oh, a, it's a different water than we thought. Well, I mean, it is, as opposed to, like, the whole population, they're targeting the specific population that would buy mineral water. Sure, sure. Right. And there were also... There were other theories that, you know, get thrown out and crossed out when they no longer seem, you know, applicable. In fact, In fact, there's kind of a point in the middle of it where I thought it wasn't pretty interesting how that developed, where they had all these theories about being a disease and such. And, like, the theories are disproven until, like, nothing quite makes sense or hangs together in terms of, like, how they understand this is working at all. Right. And I thought that was fairly well done. Because, like, they have the detective go to the uh, reservoir Mm -hmm. and talk to people that were saying, like, there's no nitrate in here. I'm insulted. Fuck right. you. <laughs> I'll be calling your superior. You're a loose cannon. <laughs> You're a loose cannon. I-, I need your badge and your gun on my desk. And- right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the tone's definitely a plus. Like I said, the the cinematography and staging, so to speak, I thought were also very well done. And it was... I mean, the last fight scene was a little bit fuzzy and uninteresting, I feel like, compared to some of the other things. Especially since it got solved by black blobs. Yeah. Could have been more interesting. Yeah. Um, but I also don't care that much about fight scenes, so it's fine. Right. Um, and I think also just it's a it's a well-done use of Cordelia in a very standard angel kind of plot. Mm-hmm. Like, she's way more important than Wesley in this this story. I almost said this episode. Well, something I thought that was interesting was, like, they had the um, standard angel-type dialogue, but they, with the use of a narrative a story, they, they were able to... A lot of times in Angel Dialogue, they'd say something, then they'd have like a visual visual reaction, and then keep mm-hmm. talking. But like they were able to fill in some of that gap with some uh, context and description. The mental touch in rather like, than like, like for, for example, this when um, Wesley is talking to Cordelia when uh, Angel looks like they're dying or mm-hmm. dead or something. Cordelia, Wesley stopped. He wanted to say something, anything to comfort her. He couldn't. He didn't have the words. The comforting lie, the blithe platitude. Other people seemed to employ them with ease at the appropriate moment. Wesley, somehow, had never picked up the knack. And now he felt his inadequacy more than ever. Finally, he said, Do your best. I know you will. It felt insufficient, but it was the best he could offer. Yeah. So it's like the kind of dialogue that would be in an Angel episode with 
more context with the pauses that would be also in, in, in that episode. I understand. And the author also doesn't overdo that. It's not all the time. Yeah. But they do it when it's useful. And it all seems very true to, like, how the characters think. Like, yeah, yeah Wesley would not be good at platitudes yeah. and would feel bad about that at that time. And, like, there, there is some characterization that happens in the Angel with the what the characters don't say specifically. Mm. Like, in that um, other Demon episode I'm talking about, like, Wesley references their own dad at one point, point where it's like, well, a dad doesn't have to be demonic in order to to do something to his family. He just has to, well, never mind, and then moves on from there. But it's mm. like that sort of statement with the silence speaks um, interesting volumes to, to the character. Hmm. Well, That's a good point. We rolled into praise without even thinking about it, which is clearly <laughs> a mark of quality for the fanfic. Mm-hmm. But is there anything we want to complain about if we're going opposite order here on the way out? I don't, well, think, I don't think anything more than a, your standard Angel episode where it's like the fights are the boring part of it. <laughs> yeah, they kind of are. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I was already... Um, talking about my praise before or my sorry my complaint before um and i feel like there was something else i was going to add at the time but uh, it's a little lost i suppose it was just that yeah like as far as this goes for an episode of angel you get the angel elements and things are still a little bit corny but it's hard to call that criticism when the show can be a little corny as well. But like, shouldn't a fan fiction be kind of, I don't want to say better, but able to drop the restrictions of the show it's based on? I feel like it probably should be. And I feel like this fanfic was pushing at that. Hmm. And so, again, it's hard to call that criticism because I feel it was pushing at the edges, but it felt restricted by the qualifications of Angel as hmm. a show. We can also... And the idea that they were extrapolating what these characters might think, but they did it in the two-dimensional element of the characters as they exist, especially Angel as a character. Right. Who, as we've mentioned, vacillates wildly, (laughs) depending on the situation. Within an episode, let alone a series. Yes, correct. So it's hard to call out a criticism. I feel like they were working very hard to be true to the series, I definitely feel like they could have done more because they reached more with the plot and they reached at this idea of like the vampire poisoning and the vampire brethren. And yet they didn't expand on the motive of the brethren very much other than they were a vampire superiorist cult Mm -hmm. and they didn't expand much on these kids and the effects that it took on them. It was very angel, but nonetheless, they, I, I felt like there was more to be sought after in this fic. And, and it's a weird criticism to have because it's more like, I liked your ideas so much, I wanted to see more. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like praise, but well, nonetheless. Let me also just like point out more. here, this was July 2000, so it's really early in the life of the fandom and in anybody writing about Angel. So this would have been between seasons one and two. Right. And also, it appears to be, at least on Archive of Our Own, the first Angel fanfic this author wrote. Now, you know, I was still happy to choose it because I had a reason to think it was good. It was award-winning. It was recommended. But it could also be, to some extent, feeling out the characters and, like, what the author wants to do with them in that kind of, like, more standard um, frame Mm -hmm. of reference. I'm just spitballing here because I haven't read anything (laughs) else by the author. Did the author do other Angel fanfics? Do you yes, know? there are 14 works by Rihanna in the Angel of the Series um, collection on on Archive of Our Own. Sometimes things were posted elsewhere or are not posted there. I noticed that they have several collaborations with Yahtzee. 
Did we do something by Yahtzee? We did do something by uh-huh. Yahtzee. We did what? Phoenix Burning by Yahtzee. Phoenix Burning. That's that is the, the Buffy, Buffy one. Oh, the, yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so now I kind of want to read something by Rihanna and Yahtzee. There's several of them here. Well, is it Angel of Buffy both? You know? <laughs> Let's see. Um, this one is Angel. This one is Angel. <laughs> These ones are Angel, the the series. What's that? The the uh, collaboration ones. Right, the collaboration ones. Need more Buffy? I mean, it's just interesting to what they chose. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll shelve that idea, but it's interesting to see that those works do exist. I think we're probably done with this for now. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And next week, we are going to be going to something that a vampire would really not like because he's got radioactive blood. It is a Spider-Man fanfic. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's how you go? (laughs) That's how you do this? It it is well established, (laughs) bud. Specifically, it's going to be a Spider-Man 2 fanfic called Just a Face on a Train by Catherine, K-A-T-H-E-R-Y-N-E. What is Catherine. Spider-Man 2? It's Spider-Man also. It's Miles uh, Morales. No, it's the... Uh, Spider-Man 1. Oh, wait, what? No, it's, it's the sequel to the Spider-Man Broadway show, Spider-Man 2, Too Many Spider-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man yeah. plus 2, Spider-Man <laughs> times 2. Look, Spider-Man if that was a Broadway show two. that had the Scarlet Spider in it, I'd be all about it. Well, that's one of my favorite uh, Kimmy Schmidt things, where they auditioned for Spider-Man 2. <laughs> too Many Spider-Men. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's... It should be a relatively quick read. Uh, I still haven't clarified to myself what Spider-Man 2 is. It's the movie, the Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2. Wait, which movie? Wait, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2. What? Okay. What? Not, not the Garfield Spider-Man 2? I'm so confused. <laughs> There's only one movie called Spider-Man 2. Wait, it's a, mo- a Spider-Man movie fan fiction? Yes. <laughs> the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. There we go. The second Isn't one. Isn't that really, like, antiquated and not even <laughs> in the cultural purview anymore? It's almost like we're talking about old fan fiction, know, Tori. But, oh, hey. How about but also, like, does even, anyone even remember those Spider-Man movies? Like, Spider-Man yes, has so much because of J. Jonah movies. Jameson. All right. Yeah, J. Jonah Jameson. Was really good. From uh, Just Kidding Simmons, Yeah. <laughs> That's why everyone anyway, remembers those movies. Apparently there's a Spider-Man 2. <laughs> but yeah, this reminds me that the end part of um, the latest Spider-Man Homecoming thing was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Did it have J. Jonah Jameson? They were the stinger. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> That's what people want to see. Exactly. <laughs> well, you can look forward to that one next week. That As for this... This was episode 52 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, starting in on our second year. The fanfic Blood and Water, based on Angel, by Rihanna. That took me a moment. (laughs) You can find a link there at bit.ly slash rfrblood. The intro song for this podcast is The Weekly Fair, off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe, from the same album. You can find this album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you've got questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic, 
Facebook at RetroFanfic, or send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com. Um, you can also find us on the other thing, the Reddit, Reddit, at Fanfic Retrospective. Leaving comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use would also be greatly appreciated. And however you contact us, let us know what you like about the show, what you'd like to hear more of in terms of, you know, what things the fanfics are based on or in terms of specific fanfics, and we'll see what we do. And also we'd just like to hear from you in general. If you have anything to say about the show, any thoughts, we'd like the information. It'd be cool, cool to have. Absolutely. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Angel's theme song was pretty awesome. Just with the cello stuff. I've heard a cool cello in any other theme songs before. Honestly, I sing along every time. Grr, arg.